This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. All right, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. There was some exciting news uh, this weekend, late last week, whichever. Big Popper announcement in the weekly stream that Popper is now an officially sanctionable format. Uh, so, may seem kind of silly, but that actually has pretty big ramifications for the financial landscape. So, that's what we're going to be covering this week, and then we'll take it away with picks. Yep. Uh, so, I'll start out, and I, I was just going to throw it back to you with a question. But, uh, uh, as a format, I'm actually heel on Popper. I'm not a huge fan of it. I do like that it is probably one of the longest standing casual formats that is actively played in Magic. You'll find FNMs that were sanctioned previously for Popper. And I think it's a neat and interesting way to, to play the game. I just don't like the uh, restriction placed on the format. And the fact that people just seemingly blindly jump into this format and say it's probably one of the best and like truer formats that you could play with cards from all eras. Meaning it's yeah. not a it's not it's a non-restrictive format in the sense of old school, middle school, and um, historic is going to be where they limit you to your sets. Poppers everything. Financially, I think this is awesome because it takes a lot of cards that were near playable, and makes them uh, near playable in formats like EDH makes them playable in Popper, and then yeah, like Darcy just mentioned, motioned like those prices are going to go up. There are a lot of cards that are on this list. Uh, that Scryfall put together that I've been a fan of for years, cards like Ashes to Ashes, that are most likely going to see a bump. You, you have some duds like the Zodiac uh, characters, mainly in... You get a Planeswalker. Yeah. Uh, mainly in Dog and Goat, because they have Mountain Walk, which isn't terribly important. Not a lot of the format is Boros. Planeswalking is oddly a little more important. Yeah. But... The sanctioning yep. of Popper just doesn't mean that much to me as a player. As somebody who is a, a financier, there are a lot of these cards that I've been sitting on for a while because, like I said, they were almost EDH playable, or some of them already were, so I'm happy in that regard. But the question I was going to ask, and now I'll toss it back to you, is what does the sanctioning of Popper mean to you? When you heard that happen, what did you think that meant? We're getting a GP. Okay. I, I And that's, that's part of the reason I was so excited for it, was like, okay... So we're we're sanctioned in Popper. So now you can have F and M's. Mm -hmm. Now you can have GPs or Pro Tours, and you know the, it was super popular when it was on Arena for that brief while where they had standard Popper. Yep. It's a super popular format that people like, and I think it's only a matter of time, especially because this announcement was coupled with at the time we only had two remaining GPs with formats announced, and that that yes. was it. So I thought, okay, well, we're going to make this sanctioning announcement. And then before too long after that, we're going to have, you know, hey, guys, we're going to we're going to have Popper GP. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a Popper MCQ or whatever it was uh, at one of the GPs. And I think it's L.A. Yeah, L.A. And I think it's a step away then because that was one of the most well-attended MCQs they've had at mm -hmm. a GP. And they uh, had a ton of personalities there, too, from the mid-U.S. Uh, all the way to the West Coast that showed up to play Popper. People like yeah. the Larian Community College, who's been a huge proponent of Popper, and like some of these niche formats, they were uh, very outspoken about that event. Yeah, and I, I think that that's, you know, 
a huge opportunity financially, especially, you know, looking at the list from Scryfall. Like you said, there's some, like, RL stuff on here. Yes. Which we already saw explode and hit a new floor mm-hmm. when that happened. And now we have, you know, new stuff in it again, which, you know, personally, I'm most excited for Mountain Goat. Uh, but this, you know, Mystic Remora, we saw Spike. Mm-hmm. We saw Gaia's Touch Spike. Mm-hmm. And there's still a number of cards in here that I think have the potential. Broken Dam just doesn't exist anywhere on the internet right now. Yeah, we were checking that uh, out beforehand. Yeah, you've got you know your red and blue elemental blasts in addition to pyro and hydro, which doesn't change too much. But you'll see some mobility on the alpha and beta versions, I'd think, in terms of prices. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just a huge opportunity because at this point, if they want Joe Schmo to be able to think, oh man, I could really, I could do something with magic. I could qualify for the pro tour. What better way than to take the most casual format and the entire game that's like super popular and not EDH and make it a pro tour or grand prix format Mm -hmm. at that point, like, you know, granted as a vendor, that sounds like a fucking nightmare. Oh yeah. uh, Because what are you going to stock for that? You bring you know, infinite you, five rows. Like nobody can fly. Everybody drives. This is yeah. But aside from that, you know, I it's a really good opportunity for wizards and financiers to just make out like bandits. Yes. Uh, you know the the filthy MTG finance bros strike again or whatever you want to say. But I I am excited because it does represent such a huge opportunity for MTG finance. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's where I agree. Uh, as a format, when I heard the sanctioning of Popper, I thought of one thing. They gave in to the populace. Yep. So, to, like I said, Popper to me isn't an illegitimate format. It, it's, it's just another way to play the game a way that I don't really in, enjoy. But not all aspects of this game for everyone. Not everybody likes playing, uh, what is it, uh, King or whatever the format is where it's like 3v3 emperor oh yeah or like kingdom or whatever it is yeah or like uh star magic stuff like that like whatever enjoy it enjoy what you want uh but popper has been a format for a very long time i think if memory serves it was it was started on moto that's where it was originally yeah it was a fan-built format when moto went live and then we're just sanctioning it now so we're talking about 15 to 16 years worth of time before it was sanctioned and in all honesty maybe about 14 before Watsi recognized it as a format that meant EDH was recognized before the, before this format and uh, there's another casual form that I can't remember that was uh, brought up as well, it just escapes me uh well, it's it's similar to Penny Dreadful. You know, Penny Dreadful is on MTG Goldfish now. Yes. And that meta constantly changes because the prices of stuff change. But being and recognized by Watsi is what I mean. This is, yeah, yeah, fair, yeah. So Watsi is, is finally giving in to the masses, despite the fact that other formats, ha- uh, player-created formats, have come up and seen recognition before. A cube was the other one. Oh, yeah. yeah right? And while you can't sanction Cube at FNM, they've already made two products specifically towards Cube, and if you were paying attention to Gavin Verity's uh, Twitter stream last week when he announced a popper announcement, he polled uh, his Twitter audience to see what kind of cube product Watsi should make next, essentially. Yeah. And so I think this is... Watsi's just giving in. Like, fine. If you want to sanction it at F&M, you can in war 
no longer select casual constructed. You just select popper. The end. Yep. I don't... I, I'm not going to say this won't lead to a Magic Fest, but that's not what left to my mind first. Fair. When I heard sanctioning, it was just giving in to people so you can select it at FNM. Out of the one, two, three, four, five, five stores that I know of in this state that run FNM, one of them generally has Popper two to three times a month. Sometimes it's part of a team format where it's standard modern Popper. Ooh. Weird. So even, okay. even in a state as limited in scope as mine, there are people that do like the Popper format. So there are fans of this thing all over. So I just look at this as a financial opportunity. You know, what can I glean from this? And that's where I, that's where I stand on this format. So I was excited and kind of scrambled today to just see like what came off the list because I don't have a Moto account. So a lot of these cards came from the like seven master editions set that they've done on moto the vintage masters all those I, I just didn't have an idea of what was in those sets yeah but it, it's really nice seeing that this will have ramifications on moto and in paper and if people enjoy this format it becomes a magic fest format you know so be it, it it's not a format i really want to engage in as a player yeah i uh you know the other the other interesting thing to speaking of like opportunities that the format presents uh the fact that you know cards like ashnod's altar were added to this format because of this that's huge because of how many different angles you have for that card yes so like you could go antiquities you could go foil ema you could go fbb like there's all kinds of different angles that you could say like all right well here's this is the angle i'm going for this is what i want to be legal Yes. out of this this is this is the pimp i want to go for mm -hmm. and i think it's important like within the next day or two you figure that out and go for it if this is something you want to get on yeah because there's still a number of like opportunities here like there's cards you know ashes to ashes i know a ton of people that play mono black control that are really excited for that card i, I uh, play that card in dromar edh it just yeah exiles it, two creatures gone like yeah seems pretty decent and black like, is pretty good yeah, good. I, and sure, like, you take five damage, but that deck, you know, you gain so much life and everything, like, ah, what does it matter? Sphinx of the Steelwind is in Esper. That has every yeah. keyword imaginable. You're fine when it comes to life. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I that and, like, y you get stuff like that that there's still 15 cents, mm -hmm. I think, is what it is. Let me Let me take a look. And, like, yeah, you have the Dark. You have 5th Edition that it was printed in. Market price for the Dark is $0.46. Cents. Okay, if that takes off, it's still an incredibly, like, 3 to $5 card yes. because they're not printing that ever again. And The last it, time you got that out was Time Spiral. And it was yeah. in Time Shifted slot. Yeah. And who knows if we're ever going to get, you know, if Modern Horizons was Time Spiral 2... Well, then we're probably not getting Time Spiral ever again. No. Uh, and it's just ripe with stuff like that that's like the second wave of stuff. It's yeah, the not yeah. obvious if you don't play. Like Mystic Remora, that's obvious even if you don't play. That card's insane. Yes. And the format. Uh, but then you have things like False Orders, mm -hmm. which are really soft reserve list, but might be able to see play in Popper. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Fire Snake, for example, is like a really weird portal card that may see play. 
There are a handful and, of uh, horseman, horsemanship cards you can put on that list, too. Like, yeah. And I mean, some... I've mentioned it before, but Goblin Grenade. That's, you know, the amount yeah. of goblins added with this set is ridiculous. So you could see a mono red goblins list emerge from this. Yeah. Because this is not a format that restricts you based on set. It's all time. It just has to be a common at some point. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was weird that they called out the unification of the rule set based on mo sorry uh, unification of rarity based on moto printings because I thought that was what everybody did in the first place. Well, yeah. So they they said if it's ever been printed on moto or in paper, uh, which is oh okay real weird. But yeah. that's why you have like a bunch of uncommons and stuff all of a sudden that were commons and vintage masters. Yeah, whatever. yeah. Or, that I got. I didn't realize that yeah. there might have been an uh, upshift onto Moto. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, just for the limited formats. E exactly, yeah. But they come through in those master sets. That's how you had to get some of the weird things from uh, Conspiracy. Yeah. Some of, the, some of the cards weren't enabled. Battle Bond, that, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Rockstar. Stone throwing devils. Mm -hmm. It's old school playable, AF. Oh yeah, and it seems like a reasonably priced threat and popper. Yep. And I think it's important to be open minded about stuff and just think like, all right, let me take a brief look at the metagame, or let me ask people that know, mm -hmm. that play. What are you most excited about? Like, there's, you know, I, there were some people I know that are really excited for mono blue sunken city all of a sudden. I'm like. I forgot what Sunken City did. I think it makes three blue mana or has an upkeep of three blue mana. There are three blue mana symbols on that card, yeah. I believe. Uh, yeah, so it's I know at the beginning of your upkeep, sack it unless you pay double blue. Ah, two. All right, fine. Blue creatures get plus one, plus one. All blue creatures. Yeah. Oh, because that's the way them. all those cards used to work. All merfolk, yeah. all goblins, all slivers. And it's, it's interesting because those are the type of things that you need to be mindful of. Yes. And... It's very easily exploitable if you know where to look. Absolutely. You just have to know where to look. Yeah, and sometimes you've got to look at, I don't want to call it cross-format contamination, but there are cards that do see play in niche formats. So something like Felden's Cane is a card that I've uh, picked out. Not necessarily as a target, but just one to bring up. That is old-school playable. That is 100% yeah. in old-school decks to some degree, between 1 and 2. Uh, the deck that I play, Grixis Wins, absolutely plays a Feldman's Cane in that list. And there are a number yeah. of other decks that come and go that also play that card. So you have opportunity there as well. You can look at the at this popper list that's coming through, and if uh, I'm going to try and put this on both the pod, this the Scryfall link on both the podcast uh, and the YouTube video. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can take a look and look and try and identify those cards because there are a number of them that sit either in popper now and old school, or a popper and. Uh, pre-modern stuff like that so if that if that's your angle of attack that is a great one but it's definitely something to keep your eyes on yeah and it's you know i i also think that this getting sanctioning the staples that are already extant in the format stand to gain as well particularly and i think it's when not if they announce a popper mcq uh because then you have cool. like you know or not MCQ, GP. GP. Then you have foil delvers all of a sudden are back to that, you know, 10 to $20 bill. Yes. That just evens out trades when you need it like they used to be. Yep. And, you know, we, we had an explosion last year of popper pretty much everywhere. 
and all of the staples spiked for a brief time and then they just gradually went back down. Yep. And I think that what you'll see now is when they spiked before, somewhere between where they're at now and that spike, that's the new floor for this stuff. Oh yeah. It's yeah. not gonna get lower. If you want a timeline, uh I think Magic Fest Montreal in the fall of twenty eighteen, that was uh an event I worked. We had complete pauper decks, uh seventy five of seventy five built from Moto Five O's. And we yep. turned those on day two because that's when the popper event, the popper side events were. So yeah. you want to look at like there, maybe plus a month, and then go back six. And that's kind of the timeline that uh, Thirsty's talking about here. That's yeah. where they, we not only had uh, Uma at some point in there, but we also had a banning that shook the format. Yeah, I can't remember what it basically. So uh, Blue Red Delver was still the deck at. Magic Fest yeah. Montreal that I worked in the fall, but after that we had a banning that turned around and made blue black Delver. Yeah, uh, the deck to show. And then we that was around when we got Ultimate Masters and had foil enter the format and fire and ice. Exactly. And, yeah. You know, it, it's it's nice because you get a big shakeup every year for the not Masters set since Modern Horizons was not a Masters set. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Yeah, I, I think, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a great opportunity, and you know this the link that we'll have up in the description. There's a surprising amount of stuff that I had forgotten existed mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in it. Yes. Uh, so it's there's there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely, and there are a lot of weird cards that because they're now popper uh, playable might see a bump for dumb reasons. One of the ones I pointed out was Chandler. Yeah, that card is now popper legal, and people love that cards because the show friends. The end. Yep. Bad card. It's just named Chandler. Yep. Do without Chandler Bong. Yep. <laughs> and apparently, That's... it kind of, sort of looks like Matthew, whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, uh, Broderick. No. No. I Harry. Is yes. that the one? Yeah, I yeah. Don't know. I didn't no, it, it is. It is. I'm, it's the same I'm name as Con as a uh, Admiral Matthew Perry. Two different yeah, people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Separated by like a hundred years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As a quick aside, and history lesson. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it this is it's not a mess. It's just a lot to pick out here, and what we keep circling around is really this is one of those things again where you need to pick your strategy and stick with it. You you will get paid off as long as you're looking at cards that are they don't even have to be immediately playable, but look like they can yeah. do or will slide into uh, existing. Uh, archetypes yep so you might have something like ashnod's altar that doesn't look like it like it but the fact that exhum is a common and allows you to reanimate like that yeah. card doesn't look like it necessarily goes into a reanimator style deck it might but it also will go infinite you know that you don't yeah, have to do I... much digging somebody will have that figured out if not yeah this week next yeah so, and i mean we're we're on the first day today of moto results with this new ban list mm -hmm. so you know when these when these deck lists get posted to like goldfish top eight wherever you know it's it's gonna be like an explosion yeah. so just keep an eye out for it yeah we already saw some niche cards disappear like break the down like we talked about and a handful of other things we were checking uh, in the u.s and outside of it. it looks like people have already begun to make a run on those weird cards uh, break yeah. the dam has to do you tap any one or two creatures without horsemanship Yep. Like, that's not a mechanic we're going to see again outside of a portal revisit, which I doubt we'll ever do. 
No, so, and it's it's a one mana sorcery. So yeah, so that could be a niche you want to walk into. Like pick up all the cards with horsemanship because they're very hard to block, and a lot of them are in aggressive colors. There, yeah. it, there should still be a mono green Stompy deck, and the re, uh, the Boros aggro deck, I believe, gets at least one horsemanship card out of this set. Yeah, along with full, false orders. So it's like you do you, fam. Yeah, you do you. I, uh, which you know. Speaking of strategies for this, I if you're ready for picks, I'll start off with mine. Yes, I know you're not please. super high on this. So uh, first off, I, as I'd mentioned, foil staples, I think, are the place to go. So as soon as I saw this announcement, I'm like, all right, well, let's take a look here. I know what's played around St. Louis. Let's check MTG Goldfish. And both the Koldatha Monarch and just the straight Boros Monarch played 4X this guy, Core Sky Fisher. So I went and grabbed a bunch of Zendikar pack foils, as well as some of the old open house promos that have the website on them. Now, the website promos were already about 5 to $6, but the Core Sky Fishers were about $0.15 cents mm-hmm. for foils. Now, this was one of the first times that I kind of saw the cart change on TCG have an impact. Because while I was buying these a bunch of the cheap ones that there were just one or two of disappeared. Yep. Because suddenly you can get it for less than $2 and you don't need anything else in your cart. And now we have a total of 19 results and 17 of them are less than $2. Then the two that are listed are 10. And when I ordered them, there were over 90 results listed. So it's picking up quickly and that's, you know, the type of thing I'm going for is the extant staples in the format in foil to try to say, okay, how can I get value out of this? You know, Ghostly Flicker may be another one. Moldatha or Dinrova Horror may be another one because yep. those are all things that are like staples in the format. And, you know, I'm honestly low barrier to entry. So I'm going to sit on these things. I'm yeah. not really planning to pump and dump on them. You know, they're not going to go anywhere. We may see a little bit of a, you know, dip in price if they get a reprint, which, okay, you know, that's the risk you take. If they get reprinted, they get reprinted. Yes, yeah, so It happens. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I'm fine trading them out at four or five bucks a piece, and yeah. I don't think it's long before they hit that. No, uh, I think this is a larger lesson, too. F- format staples and foil are generally a good pickup anyway, as long as you're not looking at standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah always, standards. Yeah, they'll always hold some amount of value. Yeah, even if it's promos, uh, you can look at the Path to Exiles that came out a couple of years ago that were like ten and still are ten. The F and M promos, like those, just hold value. At one yeah. point, Path just didn't exist in the format for a couple of months, still held value. And yeah, yes, that card's played in EDH. It is a format staple there, but it it's the most immediate example I had. Yeah, so. You know, if you don't want to look at popper format staples, just keep that lesson in mind. You know, along with buy any cards you can that have an alternate casting cost of nothing. Yeah. So, no, no, I, Sky Fisher's interesting. When you mentioned it, I immediately thought to what else was in the uh, the Monarch decks, and I was thinking, well, why not just look at Palace Jailers? But obviously, that card has a price because of death and taxes. Yeah. So you can try and double dip on it if you want. Um, 
but I don't see it moving a lot. But then you have like Thraben Inspector, which is only a staple and pauper. Yeah. Well, you know, even as a five dollar foil, sorry, two eighty six foil, uh, for the foil printing, I think that's easily a ten dollar foil once yeah. the exposure gets there. No, exactly, and you know, it, it's a very low hanging fruit kind of. Uh, kind of pick which is is awesome because when you see gains you'll see large gains on those yeah um if moving in on the boros monarch deck doesn't float your goat then you can also look at the burn deck that has weird cards like needle drop that are very yeah. hard to find at events so your opportunity to pick them up is mainly going to be a tcg player and some one-off sites here and there but yeah. there are a lot of cards in that deck you can pick up as well on the, on the cheap that you will see gains from because it is generally speaking always the cheapest deck to get into and until it was like mono Delver for a bunch of months, it was a, a deck one of that the better results. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, my my pick for this week is one I've been, I, you know, kind of a running theme sitting on for a while. Uh, I've been a, a big fan of Kozlek the Great Distortion for a while, and when he bottomed out at about four dollars, I started picking that picking them up in stores whenever I could. And when I mentioned my pick this week, uh, what was brought to my attention was that. There was the bump in March that I'm looking over now that brought it up to about a, a $13 card for average, 10 for market, and it's fallen back down. But my point for this pick isn't that that bump happened and thus the price increased. The point of this pick is that the bump happened and the floor hasn't fallen out yet in about three months. Yeah. This is a card that doesn't have a lot of representation on EDH rec, and I think a lot of people just dismiss the drawback up to seven part of this because you can do weird things with it. Uh, if you have a way to flash it in on your opponent's turn with City in a Bottle, you can draw back up to 7. It's this weird kind of memory jar situation. Yeah. And then the ability to counter things is awkwardly important here and there. It's the only way I have to counter spells in uh, my Bosch deck, for instance. And it's happened. I've countered... I've countered no Brooch. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Null Stone Gargoyle. Yeah, that's yeah, the other right? one. Yeah. yeah. There's some weird things. But this is uh, an Aldrazi card that has Menace. It doesn't have an Annihilator, and it is not indestructible. It can be targeted. It just has Menace. It's a 12-12 for 10 with Menace. It's yeah. not hard to cast. It is... Um, I think it's a better effect than the other Kozlek that just draws 4 and has Menace. I, I think it's arguable. You might run them side by side, and that's understandable. But yeah. I think this is just an underrated card that should not be as cheap as you can find it. If this card winds up at $20 in the next year or so, I think that is probably the ceiling on it, most likely yeah. forever. But the fact that it's still kind of trending down towards 6 right now, where it should hover for a while and come back yeah. up, is the place to go and the place to, to buy in. This will be an easy out for trades. I don't know if this will be great on buy list, and that's something that you know I'll be tracking on the, the spreadsheet as this goes. Yeah. But this is definitely one of those cards, just like Void Winnower, that just all of a sudden has a price. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, non-constructed playable Mythic Eldrazi's begin to pick up and hold the price shortly. Yeah. Specifically, the Oath of the Gatewatch cards. We know that set wasn't highly open. The expo the expos were poop. Yeah, the set was poop. So, and you know, honestly, I. I've noticed, like, over the last couple shows, gotten way more questions about Kozilek than 
new Lamog or Numracool. It yeah. it seems to be one that you know, like you said, it's quietly just like picking up and getting there. And I think that it is just kind of dismissed by a lot of people and forgotten. And I think it's quietly a pretty hot pickup. Yeah. Uh, one of the interesting things that I'll bring up now is on EDH Rec, this is not in a lot of decks. It's in like 3% of decks. And this is actually a bullet point to EDH Rec. They cut their data. So it's no longer for data from forever. It's the last two years, which makes a lot of this a little more relevant. But the new cards for the deck are all basically from War of the Spark. So that brought this card back into light between uh, Ugin the Ineffable and uh, Karn the Great Creator. Yeah. You basically now have a way to kind of shut down your opponent with and start casting this thing, refilling a lot faster than you did before. You scroll down and you see a lot of the same stuff that goes in the, the, rest of the rest of the colorless deck or the mono brown deck. But there's definitely some opportunity here. Yeah. So... That's my pick, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, I will continue to pick these up until that price hits probably 10 to 12, and then I'll I'll back off. Yeah. That, that is where I believe this pick becomes untenable as uh, even a, a trade target, unless you yeah. need it. So. Yeah, if you, if you need it, obviously, but I, I think it, you know... My, my barrier for entry, aside from really the Time Vault pick, which, man, did that pay off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Should have you know, just, Ten, 10 or less, I think, is really where you want to be for this type of stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And because this should still be floating around in binders, because it is not that popular, you should be able to pick this up pretty easily in trade. I think if you just want to go that route and start throwing, like, you know, random chaff at people, you should be yeah. happy to get rid of this card. And that's me. So, uh, I believe that is it for this week, unless you have anything. Nope. Uh, just a couple closing thoughts on the uh, GP this weekend. Uh, something I noticed there were some really high prices on Renin 6, mm-hmm. multiple buy lists above TCG low from European and Asian vendors. Uh, there was one vendor paying 49 in the room, so that's definitely a hot card there. Uh, the highest Horizon Land was, of course, Fiery Islet. And as I tweeted out, the most requested card for the entire weekend, and I tweeted out that it was day one, it was actually the whole weekend. Yixlid Jailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowhere to be found in the entire room. There was one vendor, was one of the local guys that brought like a staple, you know, common, uncommon box, as most of the local stores do. And they had 16 Yixlid Jailers that sold two hours oh, into day zero. Yeah. So, and, and it wasn't like one guy came and bought them all. It was literally like they came up and bought two, three, and four at a time, and they just all walked out yeah, the door. Which was the same at, at DC. I, I joked around, I think maybe last week on the cast, that you could tell when the modern MCQs or the modern side events were going to fire because we got yeah. questions for traps and Yixel yep. Jailers and Ley Lines. And that yeah. was it. Nobody yeah. else was in panic mode looking for cards. Except the guy who wanted like four foil baked canyon for his modern event because he plays a 75 of 75 foil burn deck. Yeah. And he didn't want to be 71 of 75. Like, that guy was at the GP. He literally told me he finished his foils at GPDC. So, Fair enough. I think that uh, guy is at every GP. Not that guy in particular, but just the guy yeah. who wants to go 75-75 foil burn. Because if you're going to play that deck, I guess you play it in style? Yeah, you may as well. Yeah. Um, and I, That and the thing that really stuck out to me was, man, did the ley lines crash. Leyline oh, yeah, yeah. of Sanctity was like $4 was the highest buy price in the room. Leyline of the Void, the highest buy price was 10 
Card Kingdom is higher than both of those still. So definitely, you know, go that route. If you're holding on to them, they're only going to go down unless you really just want... Yeah, if you didn't get off that boat already, you definitely should. If you're not playing those cards and you don't expect to, or I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to sell now and buy again in three weeks and come out a little bit ahead. Yeah. You you can go at that plan as well, but yeah, if... Get get out while you can. Mm -hmm. But yeah, other than that, that was was pretty much the big observations there. Uh, Not a whole lot else price trend-wise. Nothing that people were asking for that seemed very out of the ordinary highlight of the show for me i picked up a playset of the promo serum visions oh yeah yeah signed by ron jeremy so that that made my show but that's, that was pretty much it yeah no that's great uh a lot it's it's weird the difference between a modern mcq and modern side events at an mcq generally speaking people walk into those events with everything they need and the same thing for a, a legacy uh, yeah magic fest when they decide to have those so you don't really need to go there to expect to sell a lot of cards to the guys playing the main. It's the people who want to switch decks for the sides at a modern yep. event, or the people playing in the sides at a non-modern uh, MC. Yeah. And so it creates this kind of weird bit of demand. Like, I didn't expect to get asked for Ravenous Traps and Yixla Jellers at DC. A, yeah. A Modern Horizons limited event. It just didn't occur to me that that would be a question I would get all weekend long. Yeah. Like... And it was constant. Yeah. Uh, also, nobody is buying Hogak pieces. Oh, I would assume I, not. Like I, we, you know, I every time an altar Hogak came up, I was like, I, I don't want this. So vendors, vendors aren't touching it really. Doesn't mean it's a bad deck to get into, but I, you know, if vendors are reticent, they probably know something that other people don't. Inside baseball happens in this industry, so yeah, you know, uh, maybe. I moved in on my Hogax because I just didn't buy them. They were uh, five and change on Saturday after the deck had been on cam a couple of times. I, like we're reaching the bottom for that card, but we're not going to reach the bottom for Alter. Yeah, Alter has EDH, yeah, so it, it'll it'll be anchored. It, by that's that. exactly what it is. That's why that piece is a little stronger as a pickup for finance reasons than Hogak himself. We were talking about Hogak earlier uh, in uh, one of our discords, and uh, another person and I who played the game differently, he's casual, I'm more competitive, kind of came to the same conclusion after talking about it, which is Hogak was pushed. So Tom Ross said when they interviewed him that they wanted Hogak to be a commander build-around. And I maintain that Hogak is not a strong enough commander card. It just doesn't fit in any of the decks as a general. It fits in the 99 for, uh, what's-her-face? Hermit Druids. Clan Neltoth. Yeah, Marin. Yeah, Marin, right? She's great there, and I'm sure she's good in Gifrog and, and all the... Or sorry, Hogak's good in, in the Gifrog as well. But it's just, to me, not powerful enough. And then, as we were talking, we realized they pushed that card too far for Modern, but not far enough for Commander. Yeah. They tried to balance this card for two formats at once and just skewed it way too hard for Modern. They just... it. And it's not an absolute design mistake. Uh, Patrick Sullivan actually broke it down, and he's pretty sure because of the mistakes that he's made with Eternal that this was a card that was built in pieces by different people. So somebody came up and said, okay, this card needs Delve, and somebody else said, well, it needs to be an 8-8. Okay, well, it needs to have Trample, and okay, let's give it Convoke. Okay, well, you can't cast it for Mana. And all these people are working on the file independently. And so maybe not every iteration gets out to the test team or not, like... 
It, it's not just a super design flaw like, oh, sorry, we weren't testing Skull Clamp and Ravager Affinity because we were playing our Mono Wizards decks instead. That wasn't the mistake that was made here. Yeah. You know? But it's it's weird how that card just kind of is way too pushed for one format but not pushed enough for the not other. Not good enough for the one they wanted it to be played in. Yeah, yeah exactly. At least as, as a general. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, that interesting food for, for thought there. Uh, yep. I believe that is it for this week. Over the next couple of weeks, I think uh, we'll both be out of GP, so some of these pods will be delayed, but we'll see some more insight on the Twitter account and then uh, again in our Patreon Discord. I'll be at uh, Detroit in two weeks and then Minneapolis. Hey, I'll be there too. I am on that show actually, so we have to get dinner. Yeah. And uh, we could probably do the cast on Sunday. Oh, yeah, for we sure. Figure that one out. And then yep. I'll be in Minneapolis and I'll be in Vegas, uh, all with face-to-face games. Yep. I will be at Detroit with Moose Loot, Dallas SCG with Moose Loot, and Vegas and Gen Con with Miniature Market. Nice. So. Awesome. Yep. So uh, if things are delayed, we'll make an announcement there, but you can definitely expect to see a lot more from us from the floor of GPs for the next like month and a half. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, but uh, for this week, uh, that is it. I am at Halt. I am Reptar on Twitter. At Thirsty Sizzler. We are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter. You can also find us on our Patreon at MTG Cabalcast. We are still every day bringing in people for that UMA, an inching closer to that UMA giveaway. So, you know, yeah. feel free. Hop on it so we get there quicker. Yep, feel free to jump in, get our, our tips and stuff from uh, what's going on during the week, what's going on at, at events, because everything is time delayed. Yep. Uh, we give live updates in the Discord, but like the stuff that we talked about here. Uh, we talked about it when it happened at the yep. GP, so get in there. Yep. Uh, otherwise, uh, subscribe, like, whatever you do on YouTube now, smash a bell. Yeah, I think that's... smash that MF and like button. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And uh, as soon as we know what's going on with iTunes, we will let you know where you can find the uh, home base for the podcast. Otherwise, we'll continue to be there and on Stitcher. So we'll yep. see you guys next week. Yep. Catch you later.